boy. It's your boy Rudy here with another podcast for you guys. Um, some of you have been talking a lot of shit lately saying I haven't been uh, knocking out enough podcasts. Well, even though you're technically correct. Uh, oh, wait, I don't know where I was going with that. I thought I was going to talk some trash, but I guess not. Uh, anyways, <laughs> here's another podcast for you guys. Um, so I, um, today's guest, you guys are going to be uh, really excited to hear from him. Um, but first I want to say a big thank you to everybody out there, um, who have been supporting the podcast by, um, going and sharing the love, uh, at West coast. Um, I appreciate every all the uh all of the the love you guys have been sending uh, our way um if you wanna if you're new to this podcast and you wanna uh help uh i'm not doing any advertisements um yet or i don't know if i'm gonna but if you want to support the the show the best way to do that is um go check out our website um at westcoastarcheryshop.com uh, we sell lots of different archery products. Uh, we are slowly growing our website. We add, we're adding about 200 units um, every couple months um, to our inventory. We are selling um, through our online store products that we physically have in our inventory, um, have put our hands on, have played with, and, you know, have experience with, uh, we're not doing, you know, a, um, kind of a, you know, warehouse fulfillment dropship to the customer of a business model. Uh, I know that can be lucrative for a lot of, uh, Instagram people and online famous people, but, uh, we feel like a lot of our customers that support us online, um, we also have a personal relationship with and, uh, you know, so we don't want to just sell something, you know, from a, from a catalog list. You know, we actually want to, um, sell things through our website that we believe in. And like I said, if you have problems with the pro with the, with the product or you need help, like we're there to help you with, um, this is as close as you're going to get to an advertisement, um, from, uh, this podcast anytime soon. Um, another way you can help uh, the, the podcast is, uh, to tell your friends about it, share it on Facebook. When you see, uh, me posting up the new episode, uh, comment, subscribe to it on whatever platform you listen to. Um, whether it's Spotify, Google, uh, Apple, I don't know, whatever they're, they're all, there's like over like a dozen places where the, the podcast gets published. So, um, Go ahead and uh, like and subscribe it. And also, you know, if you have a local shop that you like and you want to continue doing business with them, but you still like, you know, um, listening to this show and getting information from from myself, tell that other shop, you know, that I sent you to your local shop and that I support that. Um, support your local shop don't go to Amazon and try to buy stuff. The knockoff version of whatever you found on uh, what, you know, you know what I'm saying? Try to support, try to support your local shop. If, um, 
at all possible. Anyways, um, there's been a lot going on. Our la- my last podcast, I had Heather Gore on, and we did a little uh, recap of um, field uh, nationals uh, in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. It was a lot of fun. Um, recently, Heather had like a fundraiser uh, f- to sponsor her trip to Italy uh, as a world archery athlete for some events. Um, they don't, they don't, um, you know, pay for their travel to go do what they do, um, for every single event. So I'm sure any support you guys, uh, gave her was, uh, greatly appreciated. Um, as far as, uh, local news go, um, there's been everybody, it seems it feels like everybody and their mom this year drew some kind of tag, um, that's directly related to West Coast Archery Shop. So between Hans, Adrian, Austin, and myself, and also um, some of our shooting team that help out in the shop from time to time, seems like everybody's got tags and hunting plans this year. So somebody has to be responsible and stay back at the shop and, you know, do that whole thing and make sure the place doesn't burn down too much. So... Um, I get to be the responsible one and stay home and do that. So, um, those of you that are asking me a lot about what are my plans for hunting this year? Um, I'm basically going to get, take whatever I can get. So that's going to be a little B zone hunts a couple, uh, here in California and probably I'll make another trip out to Hawaii to do a little access deer hunting. So that's, what's going on on the on the hunting side, um, target side of things. Um, most of the safari guys are kind of winding down and, and getting, getting into, uh, the, you know, they're already been hunting since a zones. Um, the archery season's already come and gone. Um, just like, just like that. Um, so, but there's still a lot of target to be done in California. There is, uh, the 1 million BC, um, shoot just happened at the San Francisco archers. Um, and normally like within two weeks of that shoot, um, people would then drive a little bit further South down to Mount Madonna and they would shoot the bug shoot, um, which is not going to happen this year because, they lost their range. Um, but the good news is, um, the San Francisco archers purchased all their targets, uh, from them. Um, they, I don't know if they bought a container and stored all the targets there or if that came with the targets, or whatever. But point is October 8th, the San Francisco archers will be having a, uh, the bug shoot at their range. So it'll be like the first time, um, in, I want to say three years that, um, people, we'll get a chance to shoot those targets that, um, we haven't seen in a while. That's a really, cause that was a really fun shoot. Um, so those of you, uh, outlaw guys and team money shooters, uh, will Randall Kilpack will be organizing a team event. So make sure to hit him up on Instagram or, uh, on uh, Facebook, just, you know, Randall Kilpack. Um, he, he posted like an events thing on Facebook to, um, um, 
host the money shoot. So any, any information about that, get a hold of him. Um, that ought to be fun. They're capping it at, what did he say? They said, uh, I talked to the president the other day. He said like 336 people. Um, and I don't know how they, at first I was like, that's a weird number, but the re the way that they're capping this event has to do with how many shooters are going to um, fit on each target. So, um, I think 336 shooters is the max. So they're, they're going to limit it to eight people per target. That's how popular this event is going to be is that, um, there will be eight people starting on every target. Uh, so September 1st will be the first day of where they open online registration. The bug shoot, excuse me, the 1 million BC shoot sold out literally a month prior to the event for with 500 people. So what that means is this bug shoot is probably going to be just as popular because people love that shoot. Uh, and it's going to be in a location, nothing against the Mount Madonna range. Cause you know, that was a, a cool range, but it did not have the wonderful weather that the San Francisco's archer have almost year round. So I imagine this one's going to be a real popular one. So for most of the people that are not deer hunting anymore and don't have any elk tags, they're probably going to want to get their dust, their target bows off and come to this event. So September 1st will be the day, first day of registration. So make sure you, uh, do that right away. So you don't miss out, um, on this event. Um, other events, uh, the state 900. So that's going to happen next month as well in September. I don't know. I forgot which day it's going to be on because they're having it in the mul multiple locations. So you can um, register for that by going to the California Bowhunters State Archers Association. Google it. It'll show up as you're probably one of the first ones there. And you can get registered for one of the locations for the State 900. Um, I believe San Francisco Archers is also hosting that. Um, I'm going to say the San Francisco Archers is going to be a good location because they're going to host it for two days. So they'll have like a, on Saturday a nine o'clock line and after, they'll have a morning line and an afternoon line on Saturday. And they're also going to have a Sunday morning line and a Sunday afternoon line, which means they'll be able to facilitate a lot of shooters, um, um, which is great. Then pretty much I want to say target archery is just about done. I think Pat coast is still going to happen in September. That's a more of a FIDA style tournament. It's a, they, where they shoot a full FIDA. You'll have to be able to shoot 90 meters, 70 meters, 50 meters and, and 30 meters over the course of two days. So that I don't have the dates in front of me, but I know it's in September. So check that out. That's going to be, um, that one's going to be run by Lisa Poole from Wilderness Archery up in Sacramento. Um, you can check that out by going to um, State Archers of California uh, website and get registered there. Um, I think it requires a USA Archery membership, so you're going to have to go through that like overly complicated website to get registered for it. But, you know, whatever. Um, we're used to it. You should be used to it by now. Um, anyways, um, 
Once again, thank you everybody for supporting the show. And I will move straight forward into interviewing our guest, Steve Anderson. Go ahead and give it a listen. And we are live, Mr. Anderson. Oh, boy. Hey, man, it's, uh, I want to thank you for coming on uh, the show today. Um, I'm really excited. I feel like uh, every time uh, I get a we get a chance to maybe sit down and talk a little bit. We're getting pulled like 20 different ways at every event. That seems to be the case. It might even be the case today. We'll see who comes beating down my door in the office. Yeah. <laughs> so if, no, uh, we should be all right. So for those of you who maybe don't recognize the voice, um, today I am joined by, uh, by Steve Anderson. Uh, most of you probably know him as Steve, the big cat Anderson. Happy to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, first and foremost, congratulations on your new role at Hoyt. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, It's been fun. It's been really busy. I stepped in at maybe the worst possible time, but uh, I'm glad I did. And it has been cool, you know, coming into a, a bow launch and being able to dig right in with that and, and get a new product out to market. It's been pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, sometimes the best work happens when you just get, you know, throw your feet in the deep end, right? That generally tends to be the case. Jump in the fire and see how you burn. Yeah. So uh, how have your um, – I know your titles are similar from coming from Easton to um, Hoyt, but um, how how different are your roles now? Um, truthfully, it's, it's quite a bit different. Um, at Easton, I was – you know, basically a pro staff coordinator and, and oh. doing a little bit of stuff on the marketing side. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, handling events and tournaments and things of that nature, which keeps you pretty busy. Um, here at Hoyt, we have a much different structure to the marketing department. So, um, whereas at Easton, you know, I did a little bit of the product management side. It seems that there's, it's not true product management for me in a sense here at Hoyt, but there is quite a bit of um, me bridging the gap between product design in terms of engineering and, and our marketing team. And then, um, you know, working with our, our group here, which is really strong. We've got a good group and I kind of bring the, the knowledge and know-how of target archery to that team. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the, the hunting industry is, a uh, is I'd say probably the biggest part of like any bow company's business. But I think for Hoyt though, the, the target is a equally important business and, and, uh, there's a lot of talent at Hoyt, I should say. Yeah. I mean, targets always, always been a passion of ours and it is something that, we are very into, um, and we do have, yeah, we've always had group here that is, uh, not only passionate about target archery, but archery in general. And then, you know, they, they pair that with their expertise throughout, uh, other areas and, and marketing endeavors and things of that nature. Nice. So, um, as, as the, as the, so the, the pro staff coordinator is only, a a fraction of your job there's there's you're doing so many more things than 
than um, than managing a, a pro staff. Correct. Yeah, I mean that's certainly part of it, and it takes up a good bit of a day. But uh, there's a lot of back and forth with basically anything that marketing would be involved with, uh, website, print, digital, all of that. So. Yeah, I I think it's um, probably uh, it's probably one of the m- most important jobs because you know having having any pro staff I'm sure cost um, the co- any company um, a tremendous amount of money and um, you know it's you know your your job is to get the, get the feedback from the shooters and and make sure that they're you know they're providing a value to Hoyt and and vice versa I suppose right. Yeah, and that's what I think a lot of people maybe don't understand with pro staff. I mean, you're buying a service, right? You're just like you could pay for an advertisement or uh, pay for any other marketing service, whether it be a YouTube space or digital ad or anything like that. So you have to just gauge your uh, your potential from it and your opportunity cost. And, and uh, I think a lot of people don't always understand that. You know, I go, hey, Rudy, I could give you a dollar to do this or I could go take that dollar and, and put it elsewhere and ultimately you have to decide which one is the best bang for your buck right and right. Um, which one's going to help you sell more bows at the end of the day we're we're in business to sell bows and and uh, we count on our pro staff to be partners with us in that some of them forget that they're mm-hmm. <laughs> in business to help us sell bows right Absolutely. they think it's uh, they think it's something else so they have to get gently reminded yeah, um, and I think uh, you're probably a good dude to do that. I hope so. Um, <laughs> you know, having come from it myself and and lived in that world for a while now, mm-hmm. uh, I think I can relate to a lot of people. So, do you? Uh, I mean, I know, I know that now that you've gone from Yosemite, are you still? Do do people still? It's hard to like not picture you still as a as a face of Easton as well. You know. And, uh, um, well, I still get a lot of texts from people wanting to order yeah. arrows and I have to remind <laughs> them like, Hey, I don't work there anymore. Um, but you know, there's still, there's still a partnership there. And, yeah. um, yeah, we, we, it's been really busy. We intend to start up the Easton podcast, which I know a lot of people, you know, if they're listening to, to your podcast, they probably listen to the Easton one or others. Um, yeah, I'd say yeah, probably I, a, a big chunk of uh, my listeners probably listen to the listen to the Houston podcast. All right, twenty, all twenty, so. all twenty-five of us. <laughs> well, we had a lot more than twenty-five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't. Our numbers were getting pretty big there, actually, and yeah. Um, yeah, we'll we'll be kicking that back pretty soon here. Now that we've got this bow launch out of the way, and I don't have to stay at the office till eight to ten p.m. every night. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of time to do that. Well, there's like, um, there's like a ton of questions of course that I, that I'd like to ask you, you know? Um, but I think like today we're, we're kind of like going to be a little more focused on talking about, about the, the new, the new Stratus bow that was launched, um, just a few days ago here. Um, so I think that's probably what most people are going to want to hear about today, but maybe in the future we can have another conversation about all other uh, things archery. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, if I were a listener, I wouldn't really care about 
hearing what I do for a day job either, but let's talk bows. Hey, Rudy, there's like some weird feedback coming through. Is there really? Yeah, I don't know if you can hear it or if you want to check the audio before we get too far. Yeah, here, let me do something really quick here. Yeah, it just got way worse too. Just now? Yeah. Did it go away? Uh, it went away, yep. It just went away. I think it was maybe my uh, my um, my power cord here was doing uh, some funny stuff here. Okay. You want to check that and make sure we didn't record a bunch of garbage? Yeah. Let me. Uh, was it was it pretty bad throughout the whole the whole part? It was coming through. It wasn't terrible. Then right at the end, it got worse. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I figured like oh, I better. Okay. Better notify them. We can run another intro pretty quick if we need to. All right. I'll um. We can uh, jump right. Well, listen, you can just jump right into the. Uh, into the bow then i if it's gone away here yeah all right um i can do some i can do some editing there so um as as far as like people not people wanting to hear about uh you know your job and stuff like that you'd be amazed at the kind of questions i get from people and what they actually want to hear about and and the stuff that i would not want to talk about or even bring up like that's what people want to hear. Like so, so um, yeah. I mean, go figure. <laughs> I, I I guess I can imagine you know a little bit of like the inside baseball, as we sometimes say. And yeah, I think people. Uh, I think um, I think sometimes there's like uh, there's a little bit of. Se- I mean, I don't want to say there's a little bit, but there is um, secrecy you know, to what happens behind the doors, um, of any company. And I think anyone who's into anything, they want to know, they want to know what, what's behind that curtain. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when you're working on someone's bow, they always want to come around the corner and see what you're doing. <laughs> so, right. You know, yeah. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people would be, I don't know if they'd be disappointed, you know, but they probably think that, we're here just doing crazy stuff that they can't imagine and um, shooting bows all the time. I think people think that like I shoot a bow every day and I'm always shooting a new prototype of something yeah. and something they can't have. But yeah, it's not, I mean, very much so I'm doing a job that you could plug me in at a number of other companies and I would do the exact same job. The product would be different. That's it. Mm. But there is some cool stuff. We do we do a lot of cool well, stuff. Well, I I mean I occasionally we do blow a bow up, so it's fun. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that would be fun to watch. I mean, because I've been to Hoyt for um, like when they had a dealer um, school available uh, many years ago, and right. uh, part of that included a fa- uh, the tour at Easton, and it's like, I mean, I felt like I was like the little fat kid in Willy Wonka in, in the Chocolate Factory. So, you know, um, you know, I'm sure they wanted me out of there as soon as possible, but <laughs> I was having a great time, <laughs> but, uh, uh, anyways, all right. So the new bow, man, let's, uh, jump into it. Um, so th- there's a lot of uh, new cool things, um, about the bow. The first thing, like, you know, I noticed and kind of just, you know, last year when the RX-5 came out, I was really excited to try um, and shoot, like, a binary cam. Um, and, you know, 
I actually really liked it. And I, you know, and the, for the last like two years, I thought to myself, man, I wonder if they ever do a bow that has, you know, that if this is the direction white goes and, and here we go, we, we have, we have a binary cam system now. Um, why, like why, why the change? I mean, like what, what, um, what, what's Hoyt able to do with this system as opposed to, um, the cam and half system that they ran for so many years? Um, well, the binary has some advantages, obviously, uh, you probably saw them, especially on the hunting bow, just the feel of those bows, the sound of those bows, right? They got, they got quieter. Um, mm-hmm. they got softer shooting and that's because you have equal cable tensions, uh, on a cam and a half, you have unequal cable tensions. So when the bow fires, you effectively get like a double thump. Mm-hmm. Um, cam and a half is still a very, very capable platform. Uh, it's not to take anything away from that. And SDS no. team obviously is still in the lineup and there's still going to be people shoot it and it's still freaking awesome. And it's our fastest cam and hardest wall. So the capability of doing those things existed still with, with SVX. Um, and those cam and a halves are, are essentially, you know, they came about in 2003 and is essentially a mirrored cam top and bottom. They're, they're not mirrored, but it's like taking a single cam and instead of giving it a round idler wheel up top, you give it a, a more mirrored cam uh, on the top or other, and to the bottom, which gives, you know, a little bit of advantage in delivery and things of that nature. But uh, just felt like, you know, we've been running two decades. It's been two decades with that. And the original spiral came out then in 2003. And then it turned into the Spiral X, which was like a helical cable track, if I remember right. And then it uh, we had some different iterations. We had Spiral Pro, which had a rather than a draw stop track on the top cam, it had a actual draw stop mm-hmm. on the module. And then we went to uh, SVX, which was back to basically Spiral X cam but with an adjustable mod. And it was, it was uh, a lot of shooters' favorites, right? And um, still, we felt like we could do something. We'd always had the other cam, right? So we'd always had DCX or GTX or yeah, name, yeah, name you know, X3, name your other cam that existed alongside SVX, and they were always all right. You know, they were never the choice of the top pros. Um, you you give it a guy shooting one occasionally, like Bodie Turner won field nationals with a DCX cam. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very capable. It just wasn't the preferred feel. And I think Hoyt shooters have become accustomed to a cam like SVX. Very yeah. aggressive in nature, very hard wall. So moving to the to the new cam, the HBT, um, we were able to do a lot of really cool things there which, you know, have been covered in the video, but um, I don't know, maybe you have some questions specifically about them, but it's the first time I have picked up a new Hoyt and shot the other cam and been like, yep, this is the cam. I'm not, I'm not going with an SVX this time. So, so. that, that's going to be your primary, but that's been the question um, I've been getting from a lot of people. Um, I think that some people, I don't know. I think sometimes people get way too concerned about stuff that, I don't know. 
they, they want to know what other people are doing, I think, to help with their decision making. Um, and so like, I've had a lot of people ask me like, well, what, what's the camp choice? Like, what, like, what do you think, what do you think Jesse's going to shoot? What do you think Steve's going to shoot? What do you think, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's like, um, you yeah. know, we, we ordered, we ordered a lot of uh, inventory. Um, so, you know, like, you know, hopefully I just, you know, would like people to come and try and then compare and be like, you know what, this is the, the right bow for me. And so, but, um, but, but it's cool. It's cool to hear that you're going to shoot the new cam. Um, yeah, I, I expect I'll be in the majority. I think the majority will shoot the new cam. Some of the yeah. shooters who need absolute speed will shoot SVX. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think most will find that just the shootability, the feel, and um, the ability to get whatever feel you want and how easy it is to adjust. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the huge advantage of HBT. Yeah. So, um, I know, so basically what, um, what was like the, the biggest, um, change to, to, um, to the bow you think, um, from like moving from the Invicta, like, like if there's like one major feature on the new bow that you felt was, um, like, a big, a big improvement to the platform. Like, what do you think it would be? Uh, well, obviously the, the cam was a huge one. And I think if you stuck that cam on Invicta, you know, a lot of guys would shoot it just fine. Uh, you know, Invicta was a very good bow. A lot of people won with that bow. Mm -hmm. Um, what I noticed, I think the biggest thing for me is the geometry change. The one thing I missed from my old, previous generation Hoyts before Invicta, like Prevail, Podium, um, and and Prior that all had XT2000 limbs, even getting back into XT3000 limbs, which mm-hmm. are just way too long. But all my, all my XT2000 limb bows, the one thing I really liked about them was that they all wanted to drive towards the target. What I mean by that is your limb tips were wanting to work forward. So they were still moving up and down, right? Because that's what they're going to do. But they were moving forward as well. So there was always a forward drive, the feedback of the bow, the bow pushed forward out of your hand. And I always felt like a bow in the wind performed better when the limbs wanted to drive towards the target. On Invicta, they were so parallel and past parallel at full draw that the limbs, the limb tips wanted to move up and down. Right. And that up and down movement just didn't do anything for me to counteract the wind, uh, to keep the pressure moving in the right direction. And the other thing I always felt like I, I could steady up a little better with, a with an XT 2000 bow by building tension throughout the shot. And, uh, with Invicta, I always felt like it aimed really good. It parked itself. Um, but I could not lean on it as hard build that tension it, re- it always felt like to me it required a little bit of uh, patience mm-hmm. in the shot and there was nothing wrong with that and i certainly shot some pretty good scores with it but it was just a different it was a different feel then on the shot it didn't have that forward explosion forward push that i always really liked with previous bows like prevail so is is this new so, limb is the new is the limb system on this bow 
essentially reworked XT2000 limb, or is it still? Um, no, and I don't want to get people started on, on that trip okay. because uh, this is a significantly shorter limb still. Um, but it does have the, it does have, and it's not, it's not like a bandage or anything else in limb angle either, but what it does have, it has the limbs wanting to work forward. Right. So that limb angle is shifted from where Invicta was and just the direction and feedback of the bow is more of what I was looking for and from conversations with our other pros, it's more what they were looking for as well. Yeah, it's a, I, I, that was like one of the first things I felt was, um, you know, the change in feedback. What about, um, one of the things I found interesting and, um, and, uh, it's a little bit above my pay grade and maybe you can do a better job of explaining it, um, is, um, the, like having the behind, um, the grip balance point, um, right. by, by having, um, the grip behind, uh, you know, I guess where, if you drew that straight line down from, um, the rear rocker down at the bottom rocker, um, how does that, how does that actually, uh, translate, um, to what you see? So it, there, there's a couple different ways. It, yeah, there's a couple different ways it does that. And uh, so you're talking the, the actual like reflex, deflex or neutral mm-hmm. geometry. Yeah. And and the uh, Invicta was reflex, meaning the pocket sat out in front of the hand and pivot point of the pocket, pivot point of the limb, what we'd call the limb dowel sat in front of the hand. It was actually right at the front side of the grip on the stratos that line if you were to draw it from top limb dowel to bottom limb dowel it runs right through the throat of the grip right where your hand would mount so it's like a perfectly neutral riser and then if you were to go the other way where those limb dowels were out behind yeah the uh right behind the, the hand that would be a a, a deflex riser yeah so, yeah, Invicta was reflexed. I, I may have said that wrong the first time I was talking about it, but Invicta was reflexed, and this one is neutral. And what that really does, it shifts that weight, so it just seems to naturally balance a little bit better in your hand. You know, like Toya and Linda both picked up the bow, and they're like, oh, I just, I pick it up, and I aim, and I'll have to think about the sidebar. Like, it just naturally does that. And that, to me, didn't make a whole lot of sense because – it's not a left-right shift in the weight. It's a front and back. But what it does is it puts that weight more in your hand area, I guess you would say, rather than in front of your hand. Um, it probably just gives it a different lever reaction or, or something along those lines. So The so, other thing that it really does is moves the mass weight back over your hand, which allows you to run more front stabilizer weight, which is advantageous in the wind. Anytime you can run more front stabilizer weight and not feel like it's heavier, mm-hmm. that's a big advantage. Yeah, I, I felt like uh, running more weight on the back um, lended itself to like just a lot of inconsistencies in my grip pressure. Uh, yeah, because yeah, it'll yeah. want to pitch the it'll want to pitch yeah. the grip in a different direction. Well, this is that's a that's really good. I'm glad you explained it that way. Um, do you think? Um, oh, sorry, let me just looking at my notes here. Um, another, another question that, that I wanted to like, kind of, um, hopefully you could explain well, um, is, um, like the riser stiffness, like how do they, how does like Hoyt actually test like 
riser stiffness and being, you know, the ability to, to get a riser stiffer is like, how, how, how do they actually achieve that with this new riser design? You can do it in multiple ways. And, and one way is if I'm correct me, you know, I'm not an engineer, so take this with a grain of salt, but they can, they can see that in the engineering perform, uh, program they use for the actual design solid works. Um, then they can actually test that on like an Instrom machine or some other type of load cell device to actually measure riser deflection under a certain load. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah. This one will be, it will be thicker on the rest side, skipping it there. than say your Invicta was, yeah. so if you were to put a rest from one to the other, the center shot would not line up. And going to like a wider like riser and limb pocket system like how exactly how does that help with stability um or how does that overall improve the performance of the bow um wider limb pockets i'm not sure it actually would do anything for performance but what it allows us to do is on that uh hbt cam it's a wider cam by nature and then than SVX was and it does utilize uh, shims for tuning so you can change the shims around and that's been a pretty good feature on our hunting bows actually and that's a common feature amongst a lot of bows these days but yeah it seems um, to be very, yeah yeah I mean tuning tuning any of the RX-7s has been um, extremely easy and pretty straightforward process and right pretty much yeah, it's a pretty much what everybody like a lot of the other companies are i think going that way too um, yeah it's a it's a one-time thing you got to do it and then you're generally done with it so but the the wider now to to accommodate that you know it should be noted that this svx cam is an svx w so if you were to choose an svx it is a a wider hub um and that is the difference in the SVX cam on the Stratos and anything before it. So they are slightly different just in width to accommodate that wider limb and pocket, but there's nothing else different about them. Tracks are all the same. Geometry of the cam is all the same. Uses the same mods. So but if anyone gets an SVX cammed Stratos and notices SVXW, that is the difference. It's got a wider bearing hub. Which actually helps with bearing durability too. And that's something we mm -hmm. test when we're doing our million draw cycles. And um, so you've had some time behind this bow. Um, what um, what do you what um, I, I, what people are always going to want to ask? And I'm and I know this has little to do with the bow itself, but um, people always ask me like, or they want to know what what um, accessories you're running on this bow. Um, what, um, what kind of, uh, arrow rest and, um, system are you running, um, with this new bow? You doing so like I've a been limb using, driven or? No, I use a, I use a, a blade rest. So mm -hmm. I use a AAE freak show QD. I've been using one of those since they came out a couple of years ago and very simple. I like the fact they have short and long blades. So I can tune with a, I use basically a 10th blade for everything. Uh, 
standard freak show width or wide and then just match it up to the arrow I want to use and go from there. And then uh, for a site, I'm using an Excel Achieve XP and scopes will vary generally some type of shrewd. Do you, sure do you prefer a higher way. magnification or a lower magnification? Um, and it seems like everyone these days is using like a seven or an eight or something crazy. Mm-hmm. I remember just five, six years ago, a six was kind of higher power. And I use a five outdoors and a six indoors. And, but with my draw length, that's probably like you using a, a or a normal person using a six in outdoors and a seven indoors, you know, just because the further out you get. With it, it's a, it's okay. You can say I'm vertically challenged. It's all right. <laughs> well, I imagine you're more in the realm of normal draw length, and I'm on the the uh, outskirts of that. I'm I'm an outlier. I'm I'm down in the shorter range. I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah. um, oh, cool. And then uh, another, you know, kind of interesting thing I've I've heard uh, more and more people talking about it. Um, and and I've been curious to get your take on it. Um, and that's with like with any bow system, um, like how. Do you do you take um, torque tuning seriously? Is that something that you actually do um, with I'll, with your system, with your setup? Yeah, I'll do it. Um, I haven't really found a huge difference from one bow to the next on the last handful of points I've had because there's been some, and I think that is based off of the pivot point of the limbs, and there's been some similarities there. So I don't know that I'll get. Uh, different Mm -hmm. reaction here but i'm gonna do it just because um with the change in in grip position or i should say the change in riser geometry grip position has not changed but change in riser geometry on stratos it may affect how that actually plays out i see um awesome so is there uh i i've asked a couple of um pretty basic questions about the bow um, I've seen the, the videos that you guys have been doing have been really good. Um, and they really explain a lot about the new bows. Um, uh, is there anything that you think, um, anybody should know about the bow that maybe, um, maybe sometimes gets overlooked? Uh, I don't want to say they got overlooked, but just, is there something about the bow that you think like just needs more to detail. be, yeah, that people yeah. should understand? No, I think there's. I think there's a good bit of detail. I think, you know, some of the smaller details you and I probably talked about the, the there's, we're doing a, I actually have it uploading right now onto YouTube and then it'll get shared on Facebook as well. But we have a, a video that Jesse and Brian Gold and I did Jesse Broadwater and then Brian Gold, who's our engineering manager and did a lot of the design on this bow. We did a video kind of going into detail about a lot of different things there and um if you are into the nerddom of archery ryan gold is your guy and if you're into more of the set your bow up and shoot it i'm probably your guy you know i i don't need to know the why of things some people do they need to know why something is a certain way whereas i just take it for what it is and go with it but uh (laughs) yeah so we have we have that about to drop um by the time people hear this it will be up but I would say the biggest thing that I think people may not understand and should understand is 
uh, forever, spiral cams and SVX cams were labeled as 65% let off. Mm-hmm. That's just because they are an aggressive cam and they want to go. There's not a lot of valley. They certainly feel like a 65% let off. If you were to measure them, they're truly, and, and most people can't measure let off. And your homemade scale can't measure let off the correct way, you know, or your, your consumer, your consumer based scale, they can't measure let off the correct way. Um, so a few, a few draw boards might be able to, but anyhow, um, if you were to measure let off on SVX cams, they're really about 68 to 71%, depending on the cam size and the module position. Mm-hmm. So this year we, instead of calling them 65%, like, had been done in the past and we finally ripped the band-aid off and just said this is 70 percent this is what it truly is and then the way the tune worked out you know it's it's a 70 percent let off or thereabouts um hbt cam we offer with the 65 percent let off option and you simply move that module foot which is the draw stop and you can move that foot from 65 70 or 75 percent yeah. I think a lot of people who have historically shot SVX are going to grab that and go, oh, I shoot SVX. I'm going to put it at 65. And I think they're going to be in for a wake-up call because it's going to be more aggressive than they're probably expecting. So I was shooting mine at 70, and because I don't shoot a lot anymore, I put it at 75 to go shoot the ASA. And I uh, actually had a pretty good start to the ASA. The one day I think I opened up with 8 out of 10 12s, and then – Forgot to hit one the rest of the way, but that's my fault. Um, but the, the nice thing is just being able to make that adjustment. But yeah, yeah don't go don't go into this HBT cam and, and judge it off of uh, any one setting because you can really make that thing work however you want it to. With the soft and hard wall, you know, you flip those mod feet from top to bottom, bottom to top to change that soft or hard. Mm-hmm. And then... 65, 70, 75. And a lot of people, like 65 soft might be awesome for a lot of people. You might find a setting that's unlike your SVX that actually works a lot better than you could have imagined. In the soft position? Yeah, yeah. What um In the past, I mean, with most S, with most SVX or slash spiral cams, um, I know a lot of people in the, in the custom string building world, um, you know, experimented with, you know, different, you know, um, serving diameters and, you know, strand count, uh, and things like that to try to get, you know, the holding weight or the bow to feel away a certain way, uh, with this bow, is that some, in this cam system, is that something that you think, is there any, like, um, is there any warning you want to throw out there to save people time from over tinkering or trying to like approach this bow the same way they did it, um, all other bows? Yeah, I wouldn't try to overwrap it. Like a lot of us would go a, a module position short on SVX mm-hmm. and then take it to the next um, draw length position with. So, know, so do, don't, don't over rotate the cam, is correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. So that's the other thing. When you do that with SVX, you lose a little bit of performance. You're probably losing three to five feet per second in uh, speed. Um, with this one, you won't need to do that. So just run it off. I, I would say run it off stock tune, as we'd call it, stock string and cable lengths. And then you've got that quarter-inch draw length adjustment, which is really key. Like it, anyone who is at a one fully grown and two 
fairly advanced in target archery, right? Intermediate level or above. They know their draw length. And rarely does anyone go, you know what? I need to move it a full half inch. It's generally like, I need an eighth. I need a quarter. So just a little something like that. So yeah, run it on a stock tune and then mess with that quarter inch draw length mod to get that where you want it. And uh, I think it'll be a really good feeling camp for a lot of people. A lot of people are going to be surprised. Yeah, the so we got we got a bow, um, like a like a shot model that we um, was uh, an inch and a half too long for me in drawing, but just even shooting that bow, man, I, like I was just really excited. Like the bow, the cam felt really really awesome to me. And um, the one thing I I didn't do yet was um, tr- experiment with the let off other let off positions. Um, I did, I did the same old, same old thing and I made that assumption 65%. That's where it needs to be, you know? Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, I think I'll, I'll play around with that a little bit more and, uh, let everybody know how that, how that feels. Yeah. And that's, that's something I would encourage because I think 70% hard is probably where I'm going to end up living. Yeah. Um, and then I haven't messed with strings much. Like I'm, I'm running the stock strings, which are 28 strands. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get into indoor season and I'm shooting higher volume and I'm in really good shooting shape and I can tell what changes do, you know, then I'll start messing with it a little more. And then I'll probably try a, a 32 strand cable. Um, I like that stability, you know, for a tournament like Reading where you don't want to see sight marks move in and, and then sometimes it just helps stiffen it up a little bit too. So, yeah. but, uh, will you be doing, you'll be doing a 32 strand, uh, uh, natural. Yeah. 32 strand natural. So I really won't increase the diameter at all mm-hmm. versus say a color string. Um, but I will have more material there to help get a little more stable. So not the, the one thing that's really cool is, um, I mentioned SVX has unequal cable tensions between the two and that would cause, you know, you might shoot your bow a bunch of time, you know, a, a few months and you'd notice, oh, I got out of twist in my bus cable. Um, on HBT with those equal cable tensions, we don't see a whole lot of creep in those things. So we do not see much for cable stretch or cams coming out of time like that just not really a, as big of an issue with equal cable tension. Yeah, I remember, I remember, and I, this was such a long time ago, but I remember in like Hoyt University, they were saying that just like the amount of pressure on that was, was on that cable slide from the bus cable to the control c- cable was almost like twice as much weight on the bus cable than there is on the control cable. Right? Yeah, I can't remember yeah. the total. I want to say it was in the neighborhood, like on a 70-pound bow of like, maybe like 30 pounds and 150 pounds or something mm-hmm. like that. But I don't remember the, those are me throwing numbers out there. Yeah. I mean, I just remember it being like substantial. Like it was, it was a, you know, quite an even amount, you know, which is why, like you, like you said, you were always having to add, you know, a twist to the bus cable. If, you know, if you did have, uh, you know, any uh, string, string stretch um, in the bus cable. Um, and uh, since we, since you talked about strings a little bit there, what uh what is Hoyt using on these uh, current model bows? Are they are they are they using 452x or are they using um, a, any new material? 
Uh, same material we've been using for a long time, which I believe is BCYX. Mm-hmm. I would have to go and check on that. But, no worries. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, if, if someone needs me to confirm, I can go confirm that. So that's a, uh, that's good. I'm sure we can. I'm sure it'll it'll come out some soon. Um, I'm gonna text the guy. By the end of this, I will be able to tell you exactly. Yeah, but I, I just has been curious because um, that's usually something um, somebody asks. So. Um, well, awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you mentioned something earlier that I, I want to kind of ask you about, and that's, you know, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, the pro staff and elite shooters and, and, and some of the, the legends in our sport. I, I put you right up there, you know, as one of the, the, the guys that have like raised the bar in our sport and have, you know, done tremendous amount of what I consider elite level shooting. Um, like just kind of how, cause you've always worked these full-time jobs with Easton and then originally at Hoyt, then to Easton and then back to Hoyt. Um, how, how, how did you practice when you were shooting your best? Like how, what did your day look like getting, you know, did you wake up early in the morning and shoot a thousand arrows or was it like shoot um, when I can? Yeah. So going back, Going back to answer that previous question, it's X99 is material, X99. X99, cool. <clears throat> um, my When I was at, like, my absolute peak, I would call that, like, 2017 was probably my my best year. 2016 through 2018, I was pretty darn competitive at about every event I went to. And I was getting the, – the one thing that was really helping me was the volume of actual tournament shooting I was doing. So I was shooting USA archery stuff, shooting all the World Cups, shooting all the NFAA stuff. I'd shoot an occasional ASA back then. And, yeah, when I was at home, I would typically shoot a few arrows after work. And I wasn't practicing with a high volume, but I was competing with a high volume. So my my time at home was basically prepping for the next event. That might be, you know, building new arrows and then, shooting them to make sure they're all okay or setting up something and, and putting a little time behind the bow to make sure it was working out. So that was really what I, I wasn't doing anything back then to like develop my shot or practice in the traditional sense of the form. It was all just prep for the next event, go to the next event, compete. You know, you get a lot out of competing that you can't get, shooting at home in your backyard it's just it does a lot more for you than regular practice so i think that was what the biggest difference was did you find uh well you mentioned you also mentioned earlier like that um like you don't put a lot of time into i'm gonna say like super tuning your bow is like that the right term to use here and doing a lot of extra stuff yeah i don't like to tinker with them too much once I get them feeling where I want them to feel on the back end and at full draw, mm-hmm. then I uh, I pretty much just go from there, um, getting accustomed to it. You know, trying to trying to make myself feel at one with the bow. I think a lot of people make a big mistake of they wake up one day and literally you can wake up on the wrong side of the bed and now the bow aims like garbage and they go through and they start trying to fix that problem that day it's like man just shoot a little bit get through it get to the next day and and uh 
you know, it might be feeling right back how you expect it to. So there's just as we change slowly over time, I think our bows need to change with us slowly over time. Mm -hmm. So I would typically do that. I'd make changes slowly, but I was, I think I was most dangerous because I wasn't messing with stuff so frequently that I was unfamiliar with the bow. I was very familiar with my bow, very familiar with the feel of that bow. And then I had been in a lot of high pressure situations with it to where I was comfortable with it. So would you say like most of the tinkering that you do is to get a certain feel out of the boat, not necessarily certain paper tear or a bear shaft result or something like that. It's mostly. Feel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have taken the time to bear shaft in and paper tune and, and, uh, that's fine and dandy, you know, and almost all my bows will shoot a perfectly fine bullet hole and they'll shoot a bear shaft pretty darn close to a flex shaft. Um, I think that's a little harder at my draw length than for some others, but mm-hmm. whatever. I don't worry too much about it because I compete with flex shafts. So <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I've heard you say it. But yeah, so when we when the tournament turns into shooting arrows through paper and arrows with no fletchings, and then I'll start worrying about that a little more. But uh, yeah, it's just I, I do think you learn a lot more about you know trying a different. Uh, arrow setup or a different point weight or taking a pound off the draw weight than you will from, you know, seeing how well your bow tunes and moving the rest around a whole lot. I don't think you need to do a whole lot of that once you kind of have it at, at home. So I pretty much have the rest piped down the middle of the shelf and arrow running through the burger hole. And then I just make sure the other things are fitting me well, you know, and that I think where a lot of people go wrong is they just never get the peep height right. So they think the bow's aiming bad or the bow's shooting bad, and it's like they're just not they're not in the bow correctly with draw length and peep height. Mm-hmm. So they're constantly fighting those two things, which you can't fight. Yeah. Do you um do you play around like a little bit with where your um like where your uh, loop is, you know, in relationship to the burger button hole and try to, you know, achieve a good hold? Uh, that way no. or do you, are you just like kind of eyeball it down the middle throw a loop on and let's go um i use a bow square yeah. to find zero so like jesse typically shoots his high through the burger hole and when i do that i feel like the bow aims weird so i don't do that i always typically get it right down at zero mm-hmm. and then go from there so it uh it just what he's doing is he's pitching that grip in his hand to be um, a little more upright. So certainly nothing wrong with that. You can do it that way. And that's the beauty of these things. They, uh, they'll still deliver a, an arrow yeah. very straight. So you don't have to worry about that. Awesome, man. Well, I know you're a really busy man and, uh, I appreciate, um, you taking the time out of your day to, uh, talk to me and, and, um, my audience. Uh, and I, I think it's a shared audience. I think it's pretty much, a lot of the people that listen probably to my podcast, listen to, to your podcast and uh, the Easton podcast and other podcasts. And um, I, I, for a while there, I thought there weren't, there was too many podcasts and apparently there's not everyone. Everyone's always, people love this. People love to hear from guys like you and, and people in the industry. So um, uh really grateful for that. Um, so anything, uh, before we close off here, is there anything else you want to add? 
No, not that I can think of. I, I think we talked a lot about it. There's, I would say, man, people get to West Coast Archery and shoot one of these. I think you'll be very pleasantly surprised. This is the sweetest shooting target bow I've ever had in my hands. And I'm very excited to see what the season holds. Yeah, me too. I, I'm I'm really excited. Um I can't wait till I get mine and um and I start seeing everybody shooting these bows out there. Um I, I took the bow out yesterday to my local club and I just like started handing the bow out to people and let them shoot it. And uh <laughs> it was awesome, man. Everyone it was like people were pretty excited to to see the bow that fast. Um, so close to the launch, you know, so, um, yeah, we're in a pretty I, good spot with yeah. delivery and it, the timing of it helped, you know, moving everything back to, to, uh, moving the target stuff to August rather than trying to cram target and hunting together. Yeah. Th- this, so. this was a good time. This was a, a I think, yeah, to- totally well thought out. Good timing. Um, all right, well, well I'm going to, I'm going to let, let, um, let you go here. Um, and thank you so much for coming on. Okay, Rudy. Can't wait to see you, man. We'll uh, chat later. All right, bud. That will conclude this evening's entertainment.